it's one of the few places you could pull this off at Christmas time, <laughs> where you have a wave in the in the image of the series. There are a couple others. Hawaii is another state. Florida, possibly. Um, in, in storms, okay, I'm, I'm off track, but in storms, they have big waves in South Carolina as well. That, that may surprise you. But anyway, uh, we're wrapping up the series, and what we've been doing is we're looking at ways that can overwhelm us uh, during this Christmas season. We, we kicked off the series by looking at ways of demand and how expectations can hold us down if we don't learn to see things from God's perspective. Last week, uh, we looked at um, ways of comparison and how to avoid envy and jealousy and not to be taken under uh, by the current of comparison where envy and jealousy start. That's where it starts. And so we've been digging in. Today, we're going to look at the ways of uncertainty as you face uncertainty in your life now, looking ahead to the year coming up. A study in 2006 by Greenberg Research showed that Christmas, during this season, we feel the weight of uncertainty with our time and money more than any other time of the year. Uh, 76% of the folks surveyed see an increase in stress related to money, and 80% see stress increase related to lack of time during the holidays. My wife and I are considering, uh, we're going to start Christmas shopping soon. So when I just said that, I started shaking. Um, During the holidays, despite all the gatherings and activities, uh, uncertainty can loom underneath the service. It's it's really there. Am I going to get these projects wrapped up so I can enjoy time with the the family? Are we going to have enough cash to cover the spending we've done through the holidays? And as you think about the year ahead, there are other questions that come up. Maybe you're having a struggle in a relationship, and you don't know whether or not it's going to get better or not. You don't know which direction that's going to go. You might be facing health concerns, and there's not a clear diagnosis or prognosis. You're not quite sure where that's going to go. Maybe your job's up in the air, and you're just not quite sure if you're going to have one moving into 2017. Uncertainty can blindside us. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at different wave breaks, at different surf spots. Uh, we looked at one in Tahiti called Chopu, heaviest wave, the wave of demand that can hold you down. Um, we looked at the wedge last week and how crazy people like myself, my 15-year-old self, you know, surf, body surf, that place, even though it's so close to the shore. This week, we're going to look at the, the break at Huntington Beach because it best represents the, the uh, uncertainty because you're never quite sure what you're going to get at uh, Huntington Beach. The U.S. Open of surfing takes place there, and from one day to the next, the surfers aren't sure what they're going to have to, to work with. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this, but here's a picture of a flat Huntington Beach. In, in my day, you didn't have surf cams, you didn't have the ability to go online and find out if the surf was up or down. If you drive all the way from Southgate, where I grew up, to Huntington Beach, and this is what you see, you are really disappointed. <laughs> this is not good. Um, <clears throat> I'd also like to show you a video 
This is in contrast to a flat day at the pier at Huntington Beach, a video of Kelly Slater. He had an epic ride in 2009 in the U.S. Open of Surfing. There's no sound because it's in slow motion and the sound was weird. So here's this ride that he had. And the crowd's going wild. I, I was actually there. Um, so you, you may have heard me share the story before, but we had 30 minutes to watch the U.S. Open that year. We showed up and saw that and left. That was, it was an amazing thing. But that's in contrast. It's flat one day, and it's, it's huge the next day. Um, it can blow up like that. Here's another picture of a small wave at the U.S. Open. Not much wave surface to work with. He's doing everything he can with it. There's an article in the OC Register that illustrates why waves are so uncertain. There's a trench that follows along the beach. It's parallel to the beach, and it creates different conditions depending on the wind and and the tide and and all of that. In an article that was written there, this article, it says, U.S. Open surfers know these waves have their own personalities are unpredictable. Stingy with barrels and often small. For a surf competition, this can be frustrating. Actually, that sounds like a description of kids, doesn't it? <laughs> they have their own minds and they're unpredictable. Um, but in life, this kind of uncertainty is scary. It, it, it's really scary. Not knowing what's coming next can create a great deal of stress in us. And there's always a measure of uncertainty in life. Once you grow up, you know, you, we're, we're kids and we're not aware of the uncertainty, the, the, the level of it. But as you grow up, there's always this measure of uncertainty in life. Ecclesiastes 9.1 puts it this way. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. This is how life is. We don't know what's coming. We're we're not quite sure. What's uncertain in your life right now? What kind of things are you facing that are uncertain for you? There, There are layers of uncertainty that we face related to our own goals and our our own health. And then you add in on top of that the uncertainty that our, our loved ones are facing, the, our friends and family, and stress is multiplied. How do you respond when you face uncertainty? How, how do you deal with it? At times, I know we, we can be full of confusion and we, we just... Our, our minds are racing and we're running all the scenarios and we can't keep up with the scenarios and the twists and turns in our mind are, are just confusing us, which generates fear, which turns into worry that we're not going to get what we want or it's not going to turn out the way that we want. This is what uncertainty does. I bet most of us are feeling uncertainty at some level right now because we can't see the future. 
We don't know if love or hate awaits us. We know that God, if, you, if you're a Christ follower and you, you walk with God, you know that he holds the future in his hands. But we ourselves, from our vantage point, are not quite sure what's going to happen. We're, we're limited to what we can see right now and what we've seen in the past. We can know, though, we can know that God who holds it in his hands, that we can trust, who's not limited to the here and now. He, he transcends time. He, 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 he oversees it. He's watching history play out our personal lives. And he's stepping back. He's, he's seeing it all. He knows the future. Because he's not limited to the here and now. He lives in more dimensions than we do. So the best way to deal with uncertainty is to follow God into the future and to set our heart to serve the God who knows and sees all. This is the best way to deal with uncertainty. And, and what you can count on is as you rely on God, he will give you everything you need to deal with the future. You can trust him to do that. And Christmas is evidence that he keeps his promise. To meet our need. That's what Christmas is. It's, it's evidence of a promise kept by God that he made centuries before. We're going to dig into the Bible's account of the first Christmas today. And we're going to see how hope can be found in Jesus despite the uncertainty. And we're going to try to gain some insight. Well, we will, I think, gain some insight into how best to respond to uncertainty. Some great examples in Mary and Joseph that we can follow, particularly Mary, as we walk through it. When we talk about the Christmas story found in the scriptures, a certain picture comes to mind, and it's a picture looking back. We love nativity scenes at our house. We have a bunch of them. I'm going to show you a few. These are just a few. Uh, But here's a ceramic nativity made by my mom. And uh, we, we love this one. Uh, here's another that we always have on our table in the dining room. Uh, this is our little people nativity that we have our grandkids enjoy. Uh, you may not be able to tell, but a shepherd is standing in for Joseph because we don't know where he is. <laughs> he, he, he's left the scene. And um, finally, we even have a nativity ornament. There you go. We, we love the nativity scene. And when we think about Christmas, when we think about what happened that first Christmas, we're looking back through these kinds of pictures. We're looking back at a very peaceful, it's organized. You know, all the animals are looking toward the baby and parents are and the shepherds and the wise men who weren't there at the same time. But we're, we're, we're looking at this really organized tidy picture of the first Christmas. That's what comes to mind. This is what we, we, we've done. And that, that's okay. That's, just, that's how it is. But they're all very peaceful, definite, certain portrayals. When you read the Bible, you see that the first Christmas was filled with moments of uncertainty We read the Christmas story on our side of history, so we read it looking back. We see the beginning and the end. We see what God was doing because Scripture explains it to us. 
But when you read it from Joseph and Mary's vantage point, that's very different. They didn't know what was going to happen from one moment to the next. It's kind of like watching an exciting chase scene in a movie. It's great unless you're the one in the chase scene and it's real life. I mean, it's pretty exciting when when you're watching it and eating your popcorn. And that's that's how we view the Christmas story. We're looking back. We we we've seen it all. We've heard it all, at least. And so we we want to try this morning. I want to try to help us get into a little bit of what it felt like maybe for Mary and Joseph as they dealt with this. So I want to pick up the story. When Mary gets the initial news that she's going to have a child, and it starts in Luke 1, 26 through 29. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Betrothal was like engagement, but more serious than engagement. You're already already in a covenant situation uh, there. Uh, But anyway, Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, imagine you're going about your day and a magnificent angel. Gabriel was an archangel, one of the one of the the leading angel. So he was likely magnificent when he revealed himself to her. And we can already see on Mary's side, there's a lot of uncertainty filling this narrative. She gets a visit from an angel, which is a fearsome, awesome sight. And so she's, she's startled. She's, she's troubled. She begins to start trying to figure out what this means. She's, she tries to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You know, no matter what the angel said, when you're startled, you're, you, you can't exactly remember the words. The angel reassures her, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? In in this encounter, you you hear the word, we read the words of the angel, and he is communicating what will happen in very, very certain, definite terms. Mary will conceive and give birth to a son. He, his name will be Jesus. He will reign forever and his kingdom will never end. But on Mary's end, on the other hand, she's startled. And she responds by asking a very honest question that I would ask, how will this be? And notice the kind of question she asks is not a questioning question. It's not why or why me or what's going on here. Why, why is this happening to me? It's going to be really hard to explain this to people. How are we going to tell them what's going on? But her question signals that she was listening to obey. 
She was trying to figure out if she had a part. What was her part in this? In Luke 2, Jesus' birth brings many more twists and turns to the lives of these teenagers. They were very young. Uh, Mary was a teenager. Not quite sure. Joseph wasn't much older if he was early into his 20s. Um, It's not the tidy picture that we see in the nativity scenes that they lived out. At the very end of her pregnancy, Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem for a census. The census was decreed by Caesar Augustus, so they just didn't matter how far along she was. They had to pick up and go to Bethlehem. They were in Nazareth. It was about a 90, well, it was about, Mary ended up walking about 90 miles to get there. This, this is what it took. Um, it was a four to seven day trip, not ideal for a woman in her later stages of pregnancy. Um, today, doctors won't even release women to fly in their third trimester. So she's, she's taking a trek on a camel and, or whatever, maybe a donkey, and she's walking about 90 miles. And she's about to give birth. I, I would imagine Joseph and Mary weren't sure how they were going to pull this off. But they had to go. It was decreed by the Caesar. So they had to go. They also had no place to stay. They had no reservations. I thought when I read this, getting ready for this message, I thought, wow, they they had no hotel websites to go on, you know, to book the room. You know, I like that. I feel better if I have a room where I'm going. They They didn't have that. Today you get a tour of the hospital. And most couples prepare for the birth of their child. They get the room already, and they pick the colors, and they get the crib, and they get all things together. They, they, they didn't even have a room. It ended up, when they got to Bethlehem, there was no place for them to stay and have the baby indoors. They ended up outdoors. The baby was born in a manger. So how did Joseph and Mary cope with all this? We, we can see what they're dealing with here. If we go back to Luke 1, we can find the answer. The certainty of God's plan was enough for uncertain Mary to trust him. This is how they, they, they walked by faith as they handled this. The angel Gabriel answered Mary's honest question by explaining how it would happen and then gave a clear reminder of God's power. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Joseph and Mary didn't know how everything was going to work out. They had no idea there would be a census and they would be forced to travel toward the end of her pregnancy. And they would give birth outdoors in a barn. They didn't know where they, that there would be no room for them. Uh, I, I'm sure Mary was filled with worry and Joseph was anxious. I was at the births of my children. I was anxious. I can't imagine what he was going through at the time. Mary set a tremendous example for us in her response to all this. Did you catch that? I am a servant of the Lord. In the midst of the uncertainty, she was focused on doing God's will. I actually was reading this morning in my devotion, 
in First Peter. And as I read, he's talking about suffering because people were persecuted in that day. And he says, as you suffer, have the attitude that Jesus had. Set your heart on doing God's will. This, this is what he wants. This is what she did. This is what Mary did. She decided her life wasn't her own. I'm just going to do what God wants here, despite her own plans and thoughts about how her marriage to Joseph would go. You know, ladies have those thoughts about how the wedding's going to be, how the marriage is going to go, how the kids are going to be born, the timing of it. This is the way it goes. Regardless of her own thoughts about the timing of having a family, she surrendered to God's plan and praised him in the middle of it all. She, she shows us how to respond to uncertainty. So we're going to look at that. There's a section of scripture in Luke 1 that highlights Mary's resolve and commitment to trust God after the news of Jesus' birth came. It's commonly called Mary's Song or Mary's Song of Praise. And it, it highlights how to respond in faith in a period of uncertainty. And here are some practical steps that we can take as we're working through times of uncertainty when it hits us. First, we can take God at his word. This is what she did. Joseph and Mary knew very little of the impact of this history-altering event that they were involved in. They, they didn't have that picture exactly. They, they trusted God anyway. They waited on him. In fact, a key statement is made again about Mary's faith. She trusted his word. Luke one forty-five. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She, she just believed what God said through the angel. When faced with the unknown and the wave that comes with it, we can praise God despite fear. That's another response we can take. Let's praise him in spite of the fear we're dealing with. The whole section of verses is a praise to God. But here's a sample. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We just sang this at the very beginning of the service. We sang this back to God. And the truth is, in the, in the times of uncertainty, when we're not quite sure what is going to play out here in our lives, when we magnify God, our fear gets minimized. And what we focus on and what we magnify becomes what determines our response. Mary chose to magnify God. Because the greatness of God brings our trouble into perspective. She rejoiced in him. Praise takes the focus off our circumstances and puts them on God who is in control. Remember, he's the one, he's the one that holds holds. The, the future, what's going to happen in his hands. It's flowing through his hands. When uncertainty hits, we can also trust God over our plans. Luke 1, 48, 49, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's still, this is part of the song. She's praising God. But she's bringing to mind that God has a plan that he's working out through generations. I'm a part of that plan. 
I, I can't see exactly all of it, but I'm a part of this plan that God is working to bless the generations. She sees the bigger picture. She's praising God for that. She, she recognized also that she wasn't worthy of God's blessing, and she trusted in his strength and holiness. He has the power to change circumstances if he, if he wants. Sometimes he leaves them. Difficult circumstances to grow us, to change us for his own purposes, whatever they are. But we can trust him to be working out his plans throughout the generations if we walk by faith. Another key to trusting God as we face the unknown is to remember his faithfulness and help in the past. Trusting God, remembering his faithfulness are linked. Check out her further praise toward God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of his heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. This is what Mary brought to her mind. She brought these things to mind. We have a choice. When we're facing uncertainty, what we bring to our mind makes a difference. This is what Jeremiah did in Lamentations 3.21 through 25. When the, the people of Israel were, uh, the nation was in captivity. And it looked like it could be the end of the, the nation. And he was a prophet that God used. But he says in, in 3.21, but this I brought to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. This is what Jeremiah brought to mind. This is what Mary brings to mind. In the midst of the uncertainty, we have a choice of what we're going to put our thoughts on, where we're going to place them. God is faithful to fulfill his word. So Mary brought to mind the truth that God has the power to fulfill the promises he makes. What you bring to mind in uncertainty either generates more worry or quells it, stops it. God is faithful to his word, and we can trust what he's revealed in the scripture about us, that he will fulfill his purpose in us. She had personally seen God come through. She's a woman of faith. She knew God had the power to do whatever he wanted. Corey Tinboom was, was a lady who uh, helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust. Uh, her and her family, many of them were persecuted, imprisoned, and killed for their effort to help the Jews escape the Holocaust. And she herself was imprisoned. And she made a great statement about the future. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It's exactly what Mary was doing. That's what Jeremiah was doing. This is what Jesus told us to do. Trust the future to it. He's the one that holds it in his hands. As I wrap up the service this morning, I'd like to ask you to think through your next steps with your own ways of uncertainty, whatever you're dealing with this morning. Uh, take a moment to look back over the ways uh, to respond, how to respond to uncertainty in the listening guide. It's on the back of the listening guide. 
and think through how how do I need to apply this truth right now? Do I need to trust God's promise to fulfill his purpose for me, to take him at his word, to trust and obey basically on what he's shown me, to focus in the middle of the uncertainty, to focus on his will, find out what that is, know it from scripture or ask someone and focus on that. Do I need to turn to God in praise instead of fear? It, it is it is impossible to really have your heart focused on praise and worry at the same time. And and it's for me it's a battle to get to the point where I can praise sometimes, honestly. It's a fight. Just with uncertainty and worry, confusion, fear, everything kicking in. But I can ask God to help me. I can battle with what he's provided to battle and I can get to the point where I can praise. Maybe that's what you need to do. Uh, should I surrender my plans to God and trust him to provide? Is that what I need to do right now? Do I need to trust God over my own plans for how I'd like to see things move forward? Or maybe I need to remember his faithfulness and help. Maybe I need to look back and think of the ways he's blessed me and helped me. Make a list of the things I'm grateful for. Or, or whatever it is. So those, those are some ways that you can respond in faith to uncertainty. Mary's example, others' example shows us this. So I, I have some suggested next steps for you on the back of the listening guide and in the connection card uh, that you may want to take. And here they are. My next step today is to identify an uncertainty in, in my life and then... The other step, respond in faith to it. You can write that out yourself. Whatever God said to you this morning, if, if there's anything, there may be something else that God's spoken to you about. And I want to encourage you to take, take the step of obedience, to, to trust him, to follow him, to walk by faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that you've shown us in your word for the examples that you've given. And mostly, God, we thank you for stepping into this world in the person of your Son. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done to, to buy our, to pay for our salvation, to really to purchase our freedom. And we praise you for that. We honor you. We thank you. That makes our future very certain as we trust you with it, God. We, we pray for the help and working through all the uncertainties and fears and walking forward to, to do uh, what you've laid on our hearts to do, to do your will. Help us to focus on doing what you want in every situation. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.